the things that I am the most proud of and happiest about, the experiences that I've had that have meant the most, were the ones I worked the hardest for. Getting Absolutely. into law school, as someone Absolutely. who has ADD and can't take a standardized test to save their life, to get into law school yep. was like probably one of the things I was most proud of, but it took me two and a half years to do. Yep. everyone this is Jarrett Bassman with Mark McKay and you are listening to Triumph Every Day where we discuss the journeys that shape the lives of our guests and how it brought them to where they are today and we have a long time well long time member and we've known each other for quite some time now all of us yeah uh, multiple years Certainly. yeah Bree Yunt, and she is she's got done with her 930 a.m. class nice and sweaty a little sweaty that was a tough one <laughs> but a good one anything with five rounds in it is usually tough. Yes. And we were both the first. Like me and my partner were just back from our vacations and two weeks of drinking way too much IPAs. So. Oh really? Ooh, hey now. I know. You were with uh, Mike. Hmm? Yeah. Where did he come from? He. I guess he was in San Diego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And All so. Right. And where were you? I was in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about Jackson Hole. Okay. Okay. So the reason Jackson <laughs> Hole is the most amazing place in the world. One hour later. So. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> okay. So like, if you at all get inspired by being outside. The cool thing about Jackson is, imagine a small town, which I love anyway, population 10,000, literally surrounded by nothing but national parks. So it's not like you see signs and then you see it. It's literally, you fly in, in the middle of this amazing mountain ranges on three sides, and there's Jackson Hole. And so you can't wake up and not be like, I wanna go hike that. I wanna go jump in the lake and get a kayak and kayak it. I mean, I'm literally learning to snowboard because I don't know how to snowboard or ski just to have something else to do on those mountains. Wow. I'm like, wow. they, they just make you want to be outside yeah. all day, every day. Like at night, we just had to sit outside and just mm. look at them. Like yeah. I can't even go inside and go to bed and, and make myself go to sleep. I was uh, talking to Jason, your husband, a little bit just about it. And, and we discussed when, when I saw you outside just about how, uh, you know, you guys have maybe a long-term plan on, on going out that way. Yeah, yeah. So the only other problem about Jackson Hole is it's a little pricey, and so I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. The last time we were there, we literally came back and we're like, "Do we sell everything, quit our jobs, and like move into a van to be there?" Mm. Well, now we're kind of in a different place in time, and I'm sure Cody actually would hang just fine. And Cody is your daughter. My daughter, my yeah. three-year-old. She actually would probably love it. Yeah. But want to make a little more secure of a life for her. So now the vision is like, okay, how do we make this dream come to fruition? like in maybe 10 or 15 years, when, when Cody's done with like high school or something. And so the idea being like, maybe we find a little crappy rental and like kind of work on it and rent it out. And over time, one day it's there for us and just kind of visit in the meantime. Well, so. One of the things that you said that is way different about that is that that was a plan, something that you guys don't have a lot of. No. no. Jason. When did you guys move in? Three weeks. We met on a mud run. Thank you again, Heather Flam. Stephen yeah. Flam's wife. Yeah. And uh, so she was a little yenta, and we met. He was literally on his way to Colorado to move out west. I was on my way back to D.C. because who the hell wants to live in Cincinnati when they're young and 32 and single? Right, <laughs> like, right. What the heck am I supposed to do with this place? <laughs> so we met, and then we hung out, and then we're like, okay, I like you. You like me. Let's just do this. Three weeks later. Three weeks later, you guys move in together. And then a year actually to the day we met, we got married. No, yeah. pe- most people don't know that because it's not our wedding day. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm just I'm a lawyer, so we were we, we had just bought the house, so I was like, let's just make this all buttoned up. We had to go talk about our property taxes. We got married 
uh, got our new driver's license, and got our property taxes recessed all on the same day. Honestly, it was such a good day. I was just like in some Lulu and a tank top, and it was the little old ladies were our witnesses. And we're like, do we have to get married? Because that, that was so good for me. Like, this is it. I'm, I was so done after that. I felt great. We did the wedding for the family. But, you know, That's amazing. It yeah. was awesome. Amazing. Going back a little bit before that, we, we hit the fast forward button quite a bit there. Um, where are you from originally? Nowhere. I grew up in the Air Force. Okay. Mm. And so that only makes sense mostly to people who grew up in the military. I was born no, in Minneapolis. It, it, um, we, know, yeah. we know enough people that it's like... Here, 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 and you know, every yeah. every two to three years, you're somewhere else. Well, and it's funny because I always struggled with that answer of like pausing, and people thought I was, I don't know, like I don't know yeah. if they thought I was like just didn't was stupid. I'm actually from Sweden. I'm actually, <laughs> actually well, a serial killer. Because you're like, do I say the last place I was from? Do I say where I live now? So the truth of the matter is, is I was born in Minneapolis, though, and I never lived there. Grew, I moved almost, I had moved ten times by the time I was in high school. Moved three more times in high school, and then ended up going to college here but then moved to LA after that and then DC so I'm really not from anywhere All right. really what really was, not from anywhere how, how did that experience affect you maybe positively like being able to get around the different you know because I feel like a lot of people instantly want to say like maybe negative things about like oh you're always moving you have to make new friends mm -hmm. and especially now you being a mother understanding like hey you, I probably want my daughter to grow up around the same group of friends so maybe talk mm -hmm. about maybe some positive if there was you know, I'm sure there was some positives yeah. from that. There was, if you can believe it, I was incredibly, I mean, when I say I was shy, I mean, like, I didn't talk. Mm. I didn't talk. And That's great. I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Not for one second. I mean, honestly, I, my, I am a small town girl at heart. Mm -hmm. And I think that if I'd been born and raised in the small town I crave, which the military bases can feel that way. Sure. I think that I would have been very limited and... I think that what I found was that I actually loved being pushed outside of my comfort zone. Sweet. And I, I had that I had that realization before I was old enough to be afraid of it, if that makes any sense, because mm -hmm. you don't have time to have mm -hmm. a comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I say, it was all, it was actually 18-month rotations, 12 to 18-month rotations when oh, I was wow. growing up. So oh, you wow. literally, the minute yeah. you like kind of get familiar, you're like, all right, up and go. I yeah. my mom. unpack the boxes Unpa and you're like, You okay. don't even unpack them sometimes. You yeah. just give them away sometimes. Yeah. But my mom is the most like adventurous, like, energetic person in the world has more than me if you can imagine and she always made it more of an adventure so she recast right. but probably would have inherently maybe been scary into something fun right and so now i crave those experiences where i think if i'd been like mm. fostered in a small town environment i would have been mm -hmm. much maybe. more reserved. that's a, a that's a that's a pretty interesting skill uh when you maybe expand on that a little bit of how do you foster something that is probably scary and because you hear a lot of you know it sounds like uh people's what was me stories of oh we moved around a whole bunch as kids and we never get to settle down how how did she make something that is usually thought of as a negative into something positive so she again very outdoorsy adventurous type family so she'd just find stuff be like I just found this like really cool mountain. Let's go. Let's go climb. Mm. I found this really cool lake. Let's go explore. I found this. So she was like always researching, reading newspapers when we would first get to places, talking to people, and and I think that she found like things that like I went one of the first places I went to was Caesar's Creek up yep. in Dayton when we moved there when I was seven. Uh -huh. Well, when you go there when you're seven, it's super cool. Like yeah. it's yeah. a fun place to hike. There's creeks and then mm -hmm. there's Young's Dairy. So as a seven year old, you're like, this is pretty kind of fun. Like yeah. now I'm not sad that I left Nebraska. I was yeah. sad that I was And then she'd find like cool playgrounds, like the yeah, things yeah. the kids care about. Yeah. Right. You know, things well, like that. Well, that's, uh, that's like you said, that's you're, you're A, stepping outside your comfort zone and 
and B, learning. Uh, the one thing that bugs me about um, people that, especially if you move here from a larger city, is, oh, it's, it's so boring here. There's nothing to do. And it's like, you, you ask people who have lived here their whole life and they haven't done everything. It's like, how many no, people can... have been to the top of Karoo Tower? Not many. You no, know, but I want to do the run there one day. There's like a step run. Exactly. It's yeah. it's two dollars to yeah. go to the top. You know. I uh, I can I can speak to that because you know for me you know maybe a little bit of the opposite end of the spectrum. Grew up in a very small town for a very long time, and then I moved to Cincinnati, not knowing a single person, um, to go to college. Yeah. And that was like big and, and scary. And, and I know Jared's like been here his whole life, but this was the big city for me. And it's now all that, contextual, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. So. Um, I feel like what your mom was doing was just like obviously she was reframing the situation for you and that's yeah. all all it is I'm sure if your mom would have been like oh no we have to move to Dayton it's mm-hmm. so blah and you would have been right on board with that mm-hmm. because you know obviously she was um, someone that was had a big impact on, on your life and probably how you thought and your emotions and so on and so forth so I think that was you know mother of the year award probably mm-hmm. ten times over for her um, you know, doing that time and time again, however many times you had to move. But I know for me it was big and scary. And one of the things, um, my hometown didn't have a ton of like murder and stuff like that. It was kind of like you can literally have your front door um, unlocked kind of thing. Everyone knew everyone. And then I moved here in the first uh, night on the news, a uh, cop got shot in the head. That must and, have been a big like. It, it was. It was one of those things where I'm not telling my mom about that because yeah. she will freak out. Yeah. And, Coming home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, you know, and I was kind of thrust into a circumstance where, you know, I had a roommate that was very, um, we'll just say shady, um, where I didn't really feel like I could leave my belongings out and, like, just trust um, wasn't apparent, you know. And uh, so it was one of those things. But what it forced me to do, like you just said, it forced me to outside of my comfort zone. So now all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I don't know everybody. I have to actively pursue friendships and relationships and you know, it, it, it caused me to get involved with things like study groups and other things that I would probably have never have done if I wasn't like forced kind of into that scenario. So yeah. I feel like that's maybe an ace in the hole sometimes probably for you where you well, guys can just... Well, the younger you start to do it, exactly. it's, like, it's like a sport or any other skill. Like it's, it's easier to do when you're mm-hmm. younger before you become aware of it. Sure. And I will say this, the one thing about the military that's amazing, and this will speak to like my love of CrossFit, that's why I'm tying it in, is... It's community. When you talk mm-hmm. about moving from base to base, it's a lot less scary because the one good thing is you're also never the new kid when you're on base. Because there's like, you're the new kid this week and the next week there'll be another new one. And it's sure. a very, it's a community. And so kids, mm-hmm. people do leave their doors unlocked and they've mm-hmm. been from all over the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I saw interracial kids my whole life. I saw people of all races, mm-hmm. shapes, and sizes yeah. my whole life. And You got, so, you got a, a amazing experience not knowing it of like just getting becoming worldly at a very young age mm. i didn't you know? even know what racism was until mm. i was in sixth grade and it was the one of the most impactful experiences i ever had which was that it did not even occur to me that that was a weird thing that that was a dynamic mm. and that was when i moved from boston to my first off-base housing in tallahassee florida the south literally my school had just been desegregated 10 years earlier you could have just said florida and i wouldn't know it was messed yeah up. and i was just like i <laughs> yeah. remember being in school and i was like talking to the black kids and the white kids. I just didn't, I didn't right. see a difference. I didn't yeah. see an issue one way or the other. And this one girl who was so sweet, she became my friend probably so I didn't die because it was kind of a ghetto middle school. Yeah. And she's like, Brie, you can't do that. And I'm like, why? Like literally cocked my head, like had no idea why. Right. She literally had explained it to me and I was like, I don't get it. Yeah. And it was just one of those things where I, as I got older, I realized some of maybe the constraints that other people had 
that I wasn't aware of. Mm -hmm. Like I went to college and I remember the girls would come in, bless their hearts, my freshman year, I mean, just sobbing because this was the most overwhelming experience for them. Mm -hmm. They were from Ohio, it was University yeah, of Dayton, yeah. the sweetest, safest, most wonderful school ever. Right. And they're overwhelmed from not being at home. And mm -hmm. I'm sitting there going like, wow, this is a really big step for you. Right, like, right. And I realized, I think as I got older, the things I thought were no big deal really mm -hmm. were big shifts for some people. Or you were kind of immune to them because you've, you've built that. that I didn't have that, time to have covered that, them. You've had that medicine, though, you yeah. know, like that, because that is a big part. And you see the people, you know, time and time again that, um, you know, maybe never really drank a beer in high school and then they go to college and it's like they flunk out first semester because they don't, they don't know how to handle it, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like one person gives them a beer and then, that, you know, so, and obviously um, there's, there's many different examples you can use, but Again, I, I like that you spin that, and your mom in particular spun that for the positive. And to um, your credit, I, I see in the, the couple times I've met your daughter, you're definitely passing that along. Oh, yeah. She well, is, that's a compliment thing, she too. Is, she <laughs> is, well, she's as sweet as can be, very polite, but clearly has that twinkle in her eye of, like, like I'm, I'm destined to go, you know, I like, I'm gonna do some things with my life. Like yeah. you can just tell. Like I don't, know, I don't know how to. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just one of those things that, like, the way that your mother raised you and and Jason's background, like you guys coming together and deciding that that your ideals, they're they meld together, and it's clear what you're passing along to her is gonna be something pretty awesome. So that's the nicest thing to say. And to be honest, it's interesting that Jason kind of came to be this a similar personality type for sort of a different reason because I grew up into it. He almost became that way I was as a rejection of how he was raised. And he's from Harlan, graduating class of 50. Everybody knows everybody. And his mom, who's probably the nicest soul in the world, is also like, yeah. like protective and very worried about you know new things. And so, look, for example, when she would watch Cody, six or seven months old, Cody's literally climbing under our big, huge table. There's got like, it's got like pipe, like rust, like bars under it. Sure. She's climbing over. She's like, <gasps> I'm like, she doesn't know she should be as scared. So don't tell her she yeah. should be scared. I'm like, right. if she falls, she falls. But right now she's learning how to maneuver it. I'm like, stop. I had to yeah, like yeah. literally like push yeah, her yeah. away right. from Cody because <laughs> it's like, keep the knives in the bottom drawer because you teach her that she's sharp. You teach them, teach her that they're sharp, not to never touch a knife. I'm like, yeah. it's mm. that kind of calm, like, and that's how Jason is, yeah. but almost as a reaction in the opposite extreme to his mom. From, from afar, if you, if you guys were here together, your personalities are similar <laughs> and yet wildly different. It's like a yin and yang. Well, what, sure. what yeah. I guess the way I would say it is like, like if there's a bridge here, you're both going to jump off it. Bree's just gonna jump off it, but Jason's gonna like do the calculations and be like, "Okay, I can jump off this." Right. That's so funny. That is that is that is very true. At the end of the day, we both jump off the bridge. That's that's definitely for sure. And I yeah. love his adventurous spirit. I mean, that's what made us fall in love. I, we literally were sitting across from each other. We're talking about business and travel, and I'm like, "Where the heck have you been yeah. for like the last thirty years?" Because I would have loved to meet you like ten years ago. Yeah. But um, but I think that we were both just fiercely independent, and uh, that's good but also hard in a marriage but i think we understand each other in that way so you guys move in three weeks get married and is he where does where do your careers kind of start to come into play so career for him meant i mean he was very valuable at children's and i think he he appreciated his job because he was proud of the work they do but jason's not a like 
define himself by his career kind of guy. Like it's more of a means to an end to get to the next adventure. And so he decided to ultimately, I think, stay because shortly after we met, we realized how much we love to travel and to travel takes money and you know that whole bit and so it was kind of the ability to take vacations and and the ability to take vacations and i think that we kind of assessed that in some ways like okay well we're we're in our 30s not our 20s and so yes i've lived off ramen noodles and in 400 square foot rooms and that was cool but when you get into your at least where we were in life it's like you do kind of start to want something a little different Mm -hmm. and so i think we started both viewing our jobs as a means to an end not necessarily like a career Mm. and that's even why I pivoted a little bit in my own professional career like I used to want to be like little miss CEO by the age of 28 and as I got older and especially after I met Jason I think I'd been sort of at the top at I got the editor-in-chief role and I got the big law firm job and I sat back and I'm like if I got hit by a bus tomorrow people here would just change the name tag on the door And I was like, you know, this isn't what like lights my heart up. And what lights my heart up is adventure and travel and doing things. And so in the moment in time when we met, we both started seeing our careers as more of a means to an end of like, okay, this is going to get us to Jackson one day. Yeah. This is going to Well, it's, 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 listen to, again, the, the two million analogies we have, you know, in our minds. It's, you know, it's like no one's on their deathbed saying that I wish I would have worked more, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, they always say, you know, experiences are what counts it's not you know the material things you have sitting in your house you know so it's just one of those things i always talk about the price is right because i used to watch that a lot growing up sick sick at sick at grandma's house I know, that was uh, the best. but you know it's like you get to the little showcase and they're like it's like trip to rome trip to europe right. you know did you like, not always trip, want the trips and then it's like or a hyundai accent and they're like a car. Yeah. And you're like, what are you gonna do with that? Like, it's, it's gotta have you have to pay taxes on that. Exactly. So it's the same thing where I'm I'm very much in in your boat as far as like I want to be able to go and and experience these things and enjoy everything there is out there, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, we talk about here, you know, also fostering that community. It's a little bit different, but uh, anyways, going back to where you guys, you know, you're he's at Children's. Mm-hmm. And so, how does he get from Children's to now where he is? He is now with uh, he's, he's the So basically, what happened was um, he was at Children's, kind of doing his thing, and I was still finding my place as far as like what was a fit profession here because the law firm wasn't. It was nowhere near a fit for me for many different reasons. Not because I didn't love the law, though. I love the law, and I loved, you know, from a mind perspective, you know, mentally what I was doing, but. It sounds geeky. I'm like a very much mission-oriented type of girl. Like, I worked for the Air Force for 13 years. I felt very good about what I was doing. Like, I love going on an Air Force base and being like, the things I'm doing are helping, like, keep the country safe and contributing to, you know, the military. And I felt good about it. And then I had to all of a sudden put on a hat where I have to figure out how to screw over my coworker to get more hours. And that's not to say that's what lawyers do in law firms, but I'm saying that was the, that was the culture, the one that I saw right. pervasively. And I'm like, I can't do that. I am the kind of person, I love team sports, I love team workouts, I love to pick up the guy next to me and like, let's get through this together. Sure. And if I can't work in an environment like that, I'm gonna be miserable. And so I needed to get to a place where I was able to just do the kind of complex work I like to do that challenges me, but nobody's sitting there going, what's your billable hours? And I kind of accidentally, they called me, fell into it at GE Aviation. And now it's cool because now I'm working on Air Force contracts again. So I'm not Mm. working for the government, which I actually would probably love to do, but I'm still working for the Air Force. I'm still 
I know GE is a great company, and I know that we're giving them a good product, and we're, we're helping still in some like small way. Sure. Mm -hmm. I know. Uh, well, I know, speaking I of the, just how how do you decide that I'm going to be a lawyer? Oh, well, so random! Oh my god, <laughs> I didn't grow up wanting to be a lawyer. Like it wasn't a thing. I actually loved business. I I remember the day I decided I really wanted to become a lawyer was I was getting my MBA. We were in finance class, and uh, I'm like want to know how to do my stuff like I don't want to have I'm very self again independent so he gets the point blah, 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 at the end he's like and this is the part where you're gonna to want to call your lawyer for blah 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 I'm like hold up I'm like well what's the answer and he's like well you really have to talk to a lawyer to get the full picture of like maybe doing some risk assessment and so on and so forth mm -hmm. and some tax liability and I was like well screw that I'm just gonna go be a lawyer like I'm not gonna wow. ask somebody and then also it was that in part also and then a pa like a passion for small business mm -hmm. and I would go talk to all these small business owners because in Long Beach and in LA not a lot of people know this there's like usually a lot of ordinances against franchises, which is wonderful. So it's a yeah. lot of small businesses. But I would talk to at one after the next, after the next, and their businesses were failing for stupid things. They hadn't read their lease the right way. They hadn't couldn't get a liquor license. They could some small thing that was a literally a legal hiccup was ending them and ruining them. Yeah. And they couldn't afford to pay for a lawyer to fix it because it was going to be some expensive thing. And I was like. I guess I just saw and was sympathetic to that and was like, I can be the lawyer who can like help them. And, and I don't know, again, just kind of wanting to foster that, that environment. And so it wasn't I wanted to be a lawyer. I just didn't want to not know the law. Well, and I think yeah, to no, your- A to, problem solver almost. Yeah, and, and, and again, speaking to your character and, and having empathy for other people. Like that's, yeah. uh, unfortunately that's looked especially on probably in your business, yep. a downside. Yes, yeah. it was, actually. Um, they think you're weak, and I'm like, yeah. that's common. I don't, I, it, it really bugs me personally that empathy is, and not sympathy, but empathy is looked upon as a weakness. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it's yeah. for whatever, and, and you know, it's like, that's that's something that, that we fight with here, which is like, you know, CrossFit, you know, is supposed to be this big, bad, like, you know, the CrossFit game's going on right now. It's like all these, like, muscle-bound people and it's like that is such a tiny microcosm of what it actually is mm -hmm. yeah. like the real majority of this is meeting people where they're at and understanding where they're coming from and unfortunately yeah. that is looked on looked upon as a weakness in, in almost the whole country and, and that's, and that's not something I understand and that's even in the political environment and I'm not getting into politics but I see that and just like to, for, for, me to, for me to win doesn't mean you have to lose. And I'm not being like pie in the sky, unicorns and sparkles kind of person. Win, win. Like win, there win, really win. is a way to do this. Yeah. Like splitting the orange. That's the person who cuts the orange in half when really one person wanted the peel and one person wanted the meat. I mm. mean, it's, it's, it's over and over and over again in business. And I think Is it that, called the meat of an orange? I think it is. Or the, the juicy, you know, the, the orange. Uh, that, uh, I don't that's, I, I don't said know that. that. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, the but point I, I is I got that, the analogy. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think, think it's a solid one. I think you're making a lot of solid points. Not to jump in, but uh, I think you're, you know, you're doing you're doing the right thing. I, and and I, the thing that I would love to extrapolate on is like, how do we teach this to the masses? <laughs> you know, like from uh, what what you said earlier about um, experiences, and then going after something that you feel called to, as opposed to you know, talk about like the world almost kind of calls you to, like with the. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to tear other people down to get up. It's all about me and, you know, all these things. And it's almost, you know, and again, it might just be a fundamental problem with the education system or whatever you want to call it. But I know you can obviously study abroad and have experiences and do all these things. 
But there's so many times in, in, in life I feel like people miss their calling and then that just propels into this downward spiral of negativity. Mm-hmm. You know, because whenever I heard, whenever I was listening to you speak there, I can just hear the passion. I, I feel like it's really easy. Anytime you speak, you speak with a passion and it's infectious and it's really cool. Um, and I wish everyone could have that, you know, and I, I like, so maybe, you know, maybe you don't even know what you're, you know, how, how you, I, I feel like you definitely would, but how we can get even the younger, you know, generations to understand, like, how do I follow my passion and how do I get passionate about things that help other people, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's what me and Jarrett, whether we realize it or not, it's like all of a sudden this has become our passion and our mission in life. And yeah, we could both be nine to five pencil pushers. We both have degrees and, you know, we can probably be making a better living, more secure and have benefits. Well, to, to your point, I think we could also be, you know, as far as like if you put a number on it, we could probably be making more money here, but we would be selling out under values. Absolutely. Well, and I think that that's what it comes down to. If I could summarize what you were yeah, what yeah. you were saying in one word, it is values. And, and I think that mm-hmm. this is a moment in time, just in general, where I think a lot of there's a, there's room to have that evaluation. Mm. Like remember, I mean, like this is so stupid, but even think about like ten or fifteen years ago when like the next greatest thing was to be all blingy and over and excessive and the Paris Hilton kind of thing. Right. Well now there's like, it's almost like a reaction and trend to say, you know, people mm-hmm. are valuing their time. They're valuing rather to live in a, mm-hmm. a van and have work freedom than to, so I think there has been a pendulum swift or swing in another direction. And, mm. and I, I really hope that the trend continues because this, this materialism that mm-hmm. like has, that just like came up so I think heavily in the eighties and nineties, I hope that that's going away because I think that's at the heart of a lot of this. Because mm-hmm. when you get materialistic, I think in some ways it can get in the way of passion. It can yeah. get in the way of, well, I'd rather have the big, huge home than well, the thing that makes me well, happy gets, to wake up. We, we have, I, I personally have friends that are house broke. Yeah. They are, they, and that's a terrible feeling. It's, it's got to be a terrible feeling. You know, it's like um, Laura and I are, are, we've both kind of decided that, like, even where we're living right now like when we move it's not going to be in a it's not going to be this like upgrade there'll probably mm-hmm. be a lateral move as far as like house size because mm-hmm. we don't I don't want that and I don't when, our, when we have children I don't want our kids to have that mm-hmm. you know it's just one of those things that I don't think I, I'm with you it's like I, I would much rather go have this modest home and be able to go and, and share experiences rather than say we have this massive home and go crap we can't go anywhere well and that's what they're going to remember yeah and even more importantly i think that it's interesting because there was a departure like the value of investing in quality it's almost like it's that that's it's like that's going away quality friendships quality of home well, quality of, of, of quality like, fitness quality of, yes it's like it's all very quick and what's the word instant gratification yep. and i yeah. think that when you when you look at the heart of a lot of things that can go wrong quickly, instant gratification is one of them. And maybe it's because we see, you know, reams and reams of pictures of what everybody else has, mm-hmm. and you want it right away. But there is something to be said about having it's, to it's, invest it's and work and cultivate and so on and so forth. It's definitely, um, you know, I think more and more as we dive into the social media thing, I think more and more it's just coming out with negative um, impacts on. Definitely the kids, um, but I'm not saying just, it's just, it's not black and white. It's not like, it's just all negative. There's definitely some positive. There's definitely people that can stay connected and so on and so forth.
but I don't, it's above my pay grade for the psychology of it. Like yeah. what it's like actually doing to the minds of people and how it's so, you know, the rush, the rush of the dopamine effect to getting the likes and all these things and posting this perfect life and you're seeing the best picture of everybody's day. You get, um, you get a highlight reel of, let's just say a thousand people mm -hmm. that you follow. You're getting yeah. a highlight reel of a thousand people and making this amalgama amalgamation of one person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's not even remotely true. You know? No. And, and as I think, to Mark's point, as yeah. adults, I can differentiate and say, and, just, know, and, and know that, mm -hmm. but children do not understand mm -hmm. that there's a difference. And plus, we had a whole childhood and life building up to this without that, so right. we know the difference. And I'm like, yeah. oh God, like how would you not well, know, I know 12? I know some of the early statistics that they're, they're coming back uh, you know, with is just the early um, kind of graduates are quitting their jobs at an all-time rate. You know, just because they're they're two years into their career and they're like, oh, I'm not making a hundred thousand dollars yet. What the heck? And they think that they should have something yeah. else. Yeah. Well, just... you know, it's just and like you said, there's probably going to be more housebreaks. So, you know, I, I think that you know to wrap this thing around and tie it into you know we're essentially a strength conditioning you know podcast. Um, whenever you're doing things like outside of your comfort zone, you know, um, which we do daily here, I think that does frame it positively. And you're like, you know what? I have to work for results. Uh, they're not just given to me and I think that's now more than ever whenever you're obviously constantly looking at your reflection in the mirror yeah. and if you're not you know maybe you don't like what you see guess what you gotta work for it and guess what if you're looking at your bank account and you don't like what you see guess what you probably gotta work for it if you're not looking at all areas of your life and you don't like what you see guess what you gotta pick up a book you gotta read you know we just got back from uh, the Biltmore me and my wife went down to Asheville North Carolina beautiful and one of the, probably my favorite rooms in the Biltmore, it's a huge mansion built in the late 1800s, uh, was the library. And, um, you know, George Washington Vanderbilt was the guy that made his millions off of the early railroad system. He read over, I, I want to say it was close to 4,000 books uh, in his lifetime. He had over 30,000 books in his library. And this is 1895 when this mansion was constructed with all just futuristic, modern, um, ideas and a big thing was he wanted to host parties so he had you know 30 some bedrooms and a bowling alley and a pool and like all these different things and because he saw that value of like education and community and he was like in the 1800s it's kind of hard to foster a community you know whenever you can't just reach 100,000 people on the internet so I was like you know what I'm going to build literally railroad tracks up to my doorstep and I'm going to bring all these people in and entertain them and we're going to go hunting and we're going to do all these cool things and exciting stuff and he taught himself like everything so anyway it's just when me and my wife were there I, we had a moment where we could sit down and I was like Lauren if you really like try to block all the noise out right now and just sit here how nice is it because mm -hmm. you know you got all these kids and people obviously there's thousands of people there walking through this basically museum and but just to think about that in the 1900, like how advantageous that would be to development of just thinking, mm -hmm. you know, just so many people don't think anymore. They're just constantly busy in this mess of scrolling yeah. and Netflix and all these things. And it's just like, just take freaking 10 minutes a day and think. And I'm sure whenever you were out in Jackson Hole, you guys had some time where it was quiet and the scenery was beautiful. And you're just like, wow, does it get any better than this? And the frame that keeps popping up on your social media feed is the one that you're like, this is what I want. 
you know, and I just it drives me crazy sometimes. So. Well, and I think something you kind of mentioned earlier that it goes back to again evaluating. This is easily tied back to CrossFit, but valuing work. Work is not a bad thing. On all of a We're sudden, designed it's like, to work. Not all of a sudden, well, we don't want to have a 40-hour work week or you don't want to work. You're somehow, it's become this culture of trying to avoid work. And I'm like, do you know how good work is for people? Work You ever been at like a, a, one of those all-inclusive resorts and you're like four days in and you're like, I'm bored. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but, I mean but, truly, but work is good for you. And so there was a moment in time, and, and even back when this country was founded, like, that was valued. That was mm. looked upon as a great. I mean, the guy who I, the people I personally even still respect more than anything, are the ones who work hard because. Right. And if you've, I know we've all worked for various things in my life. The things that I am the most proud of and happiest about, the experiences that I've had that have meant the most, were the ones I worked the hardest for. Getting Absolutely. into law school as someone Absolutely. who has ADD and, and can't take a standardized test to, to save their life to get into law school yep. was like probably one of the things I was most proud of, but it took me two and a half years to do. Yeah. Or just like working hard at, at, you know, at any physical skill here, the minute well, you, you just, get it, you you're just, just like, oh my God. You just got a muscle up recently. Of our muscle, it wasn't free. Yeah, but, but, I, but, I mean, it's something that but you But it's like at. the best feeling ever. And so when I see people trying to deprive themselves of that reward, I'm like, oh my God, you're missing out. You, you don't get to feel the reward unless you put in the work. Right. The reward is that much better the more work you do so it's don't you're you're cheating yourself out of feeling that good and there's a lot there's a lot of people that are skipping the step of i don't want to work that 40 hour work week so i'm just not going to but then i also expect to have all the rewards of said work and and, and that's what i mean i'm not saying 40 hour work weeks are the way to go i'm saying it doesn't to not work necessarily doesn't need to be a goal. Work is a very good thing. Yeah. I mean, you even see it with older people. Like, they yeah. start to deteriorate because it's like it gives you purpose. I mean, yeah. that's the, one of the most pervasively horrible things in Harlan and where Jason's from is because there's not work. And people want to work. I believe in my core they want to contribute and to feel like they matter and to work yeah. in some form or fashion. And that, and that comes back around to a sense of community and a sense of mm-hmm. purpose. Um, I do want to kind of move forward on... I'm interested because I I don't know any lawyers that are not busy. Uh, I know that you are busy and you do work a lot. Um, Jason has his own roofing company, mm-hmm. correct? Um, and we know as small business owners how much time and effort and energy that takes. Um, and then having a family on the side, how do you guys make things work? To, to yeah. add more work into that sentence. Um, how, how, do, how does everything happen for you guys? Because... You know, sometimes you guys are here at the same time. Sometimes you're, you know, Cody's here and you're swatching kids yeah. and you're, uh, you know, how does it, how does that happen? Just general life. Well, I think that it's, it's, it's changed throughout the first couple of years of our life. But I think the biggest difference is now is, is we're really making it a priority. The only, one of the lovely things about getting a little older is you realize how much, how important fitness is and how you really have to take care of yourself. The things I used to do to my body in my 20s, I can't do anymore. And I think that, especially having a little one and as Cody's gotten more energy, it's like, oh my God, I have, I've gotta be able to keep up with her. That is legitimately a reason. And I think that where we've found ourselves is by just prioritizing, like just sitting down and like, okay, like you're gonna pick her up this day, so I'm gonna stay and do a workout that day. And each week it's just more of a conscious effort of trying to find that hour, wherever it may be, to make it work and, and it's a, I wish it could be more scheduled, but that's not our life. But I don't think that, that most people are. I think it's it's being able to 
to kind of go on the fly and, mm-hmm. and be able to adapt and, and overcome. What about other things besides fitness? I mean, how, mm-hmm. um, you know, because when does like schooling start? I'm so out So of- she's five, and but she's in preschool now, which is basically kind of long daycare. Yeah. But, but so she goes a couple, you know, four to five days a week there, and, and we try to make her day short. But so she's, she's in school, I'm out in work, and I'm, what the biggest change for me and why I've been able to work out more in CrossFit is because I've been able to work from home a little more, which means that my day, my workday starts at 5 a.m. and ends at 10 or 11, but I get like two or three hours done in the morning, mm-hmm. I do the Cody mm-hmm. thing, and maybe I come here, and then I'm, I work until the work is done, which is a, a wonderful gift to be able to do my job that way. Um, so my workday is more like not nine to five, and right. being because I can do that, I can get it done better mm. than to have to be like the clock watchery nine to five. Because if it was nine right. to five and even out, I couldn't do it. Sure. And then Jason's is kind of in the same vein. It's like he just has work that needs to get done in a twenty-four hour time period. And so as those two things have evolved for both of us, we've been able to sort of shove in the hour slot here and there to, mm. to try to do something. And then on the weekends, it's. It's camping or, or something. Trying yeah. to take Cody to do something. Well, I think that was, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting yeah. at is, is you know, where do you find time for these these family um, kind of adventures and, and mm-hmm. things to, to give her those experiences? Because even though you moved around a lot and you had these different experiences, you're trying to do that while you're in one place. Yes, that's very important to us, though, is to get her... Nothing wrong with Kentucky. We love Kentucky. There's a whole other world, though. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so making sure she gets in a camper, and now that she's done well on a plane, we're going to be putting her on planes. And so I think that part of it for us is that, um, like, we don't, I mean, he's he just, he's not going to be, like, chained to the TV watching football. Oh, not that it's a mm-hmm. bad thing, but he's not going to be chained to you know, TV you watching like football. football? Can, we love football. It's great. But, All right. It's canceled. All right. <laughs> 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 yeah, just be like... Like, and so each weekend can theoretically be an open opportunity yeah. to do insert the blank. Yeah. I, I think as I'm getting older, too, I'm, I'm really, you know, again, growing up in that environment where I was a small town and haven't had a lot of experiences, um, you know, traveling and whatnot. Um, I'm, I just love the perspective you gain every time you travel. Because it was like just even just a little city like Asheville. It was like, oh, okay, there's a little more artsy kind of city. You know, they value like more... Um, natural kind of like a lot of the restaurants we go and will be all yeah exactly all local just what you said about racism is like you're find one person that is traveled the world and Mm. find me one person that has Mm. a racial racial bias Mm. it doesn't happen Mm -hmm. because you get those experiences you were Mm -hmm. talking about you you find out you're like oh these everyone is the same who everyone is, who, everyone who values family. Travel right. is fatal to um, and bigotry and narrow-mindedness. It's something along those veins. Yeah. I think it was Mark Twain, maybe. It was somebody did that quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so true. The more you travel, the more you're like, I just, mm-hmm. I'm this much on the speck of the universe. Exactly. Which mm-hmm. is a wonderful perspective to have. Yeah, and you, it's, it's all about perspective. I agree. <laughs> it really is. I agree. And seeking to understand, right? You know, yeah. Before reading. being understood, and that's why you feel you can almost almost feel sorry for people that. You know, like again, I grew up in a very small town. It's very, it's one of those like where the industry kind of dried up, and you can kind of stick around and pray that you get uh, a job that a hundred people are fighting for, yeah. or you can kind of move out and maybe expand your horizons and opportunities. Mm-hmm. Which you know, luckily I had lucky enough fortune to be able to do that. Not everyone's that lucky. You know, some yeah. people are kind of stuck. You know, maybe they're taking care of a parent or a grandparent or whatever. Maybe they have something going on, mm-hmm. and then they don't ever really gain that perspective. So then that's where that maybe 
whatever you want to call it, racism uh, creeps in. Maybe or, just being afraid of what you yeah. don't know. Oh, yeah. And the more you know, the less there is to be that afraid is 100% of. That's 100% it. Like, if you don't know, like, we see it every day with CrossFit when people come in here. They're scared out of their minds. They're like, I don't, like, it's, it says CrossFit, but it's strength and conditioning. It's movements that have been around for a very long yeah. time. Um, yes, you're probably going to work out with a little bit higher intensity. You might have to have a seat, get a drink of water at a certain point, but you're not going to die. You'll pass, you're, out. You're pass out. You'll pass out well before you die. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, but I think that's also important about the kind of culture that's fostered in each gym because mm. if it's okay to set the bar down and no one's going to be like, Ugh, yeah, that's that's a huge thing. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not like that. And sometimes you feel like the outsider if you can't like snatch 100 pounds and and that's a stinky feeling and so that's that's also the that's the culture that is in the tone that's set by the coaches mm-hmm. yeah and, and you can find that in each small town across the the country probably with it's okay for someone to walk away from a fight like in a bar in front of people and be like you know what i'm just gonna walk away yep you know so many people want to be that that tough guy or tough girl or whatever you want to say and knock the other person out it's like it's okay to like Hey, you know what? I'm just gonna walk away, mm-hmm. and whatever they can call me a name or they can, you know, run my name through the mud. But guess what? It's okay to take the high road, you know, in certain situations. And I feel like just, you know, there's there's so much of that between the left and the right. And again, nothing in the politics. It's just constant like back and forth. And it's like, can we ever just like kind of meet in the middle? But again, that's the point work? is like at some moment in time, you have to value the meeting in the middle. Mm. Like meeting in the middle with you doesn't mean I'm not passionate about my position. Mm-hmm. But what it does mean is that I do give two licks about yours right. because you're a human being too. And it's different, but I want to appreciate that you're a, mm. your opinion because you're a human being as well. So mm-hmm. maybe this isn't so bad. Yeah. And it's know? just listening as opposed to waiting to talk. Yeah. And that's a lot of that stuff too. So we've, um, we've touched a little tiptoed around CrossFit but uh, since you are a member here and you know we're not necessarily always talking about CrossFit we've had people who are not into the realm of fitness but um, I'm, I'm curious I know I know a little bit about how your kind of fitness journey started maybe go back a little bit and was there sports involved growing up mm-hmm. was there uh, how did you kind of find yourself into where you are now as far as here well, so I didn't really get to play sports that much because we moved so much. I, I swam, not, you're, you're like yeah. in and out before the season's over. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I swam and ran track, which are very easy things to like pick and do. And that's right. what I did through high school. So my first sport, my first love was rugby of all places, of all sports. But it worked so well for me because I love the rawness and the grittiness and, and the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides CrossFit, like I have never met a, a community like the rugby community. Mm-hmm. And it, literally you go to a new city, hey, I play rugby, you want me to just, I just, you just show up to it and like girls, you're sleeping on girls' floors, you're out to bear with them the next day. And that's what I loved about CrossFit too. And I think that that's why it was such an immediate fit. I'm like, oh, this is that same kind of gritty, like muddy, just put your heart into it kind of, at least that's the way it's, I characterize it. Well, no, it. I agree. It's Not like, muddy, but especially, I mean, like, especially when, when, when you started and when we both kind of started, it was like, all yeah. right, it's 42 degrees outside and it's 44 degrees inside. Do it. Let's do yep, it. Yep, <laughs> let's do it. And I liked, I kind of liked that that rawness of it. When things are a little too neat and perfect, I get uncomfortable. Yeah. And but there was again that community. Like the first thing I did when I got to Cincinnati, I mean, literally dropped off the box of Sunday was to find a CrossFit gym on Monday. Yeah. Like that was the first thing I did because I knew it would be some way of you know finding a set of people who I knew at least had something in if, common. If we've said it multiple times and that's one of those things that 
if you move to a new city, the best advice I can give someone is go find a CrossFit gym. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and you don't have to be good. It's just like in rugby, though. Like, yeah. the people who were the most popular, the teams that were, in a lot of cases, the person that was the most valuable the team was not the most skilled person. They yeah. were the one with the, the biggest heart that showed up, that, like, put their heart and soul mm-hmm. into it. And I liked that that's what was valued. Yep. Not necessarily the person that was, like, all the best, like, skills and moves. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so I found a lot of commonalities with, with the with a crossfit and thank god like my friend just made me try it like he made me mm. promise to try it because i he was my study partner in law school and i'd be like what the heck are you watching because he always had his computer and i never had mine so he's watching these weird videos i'm like mm. dude what are you watching what is that you're watching mm. someone exercise like i don't it's get so it weird. it's so weird <laughs> i said the same thing to him and then he's like just promise me i'm like i don't have time i don't have time i work out at the gym all the time because that's yeah. when i was like a gym rat sure. at our you know law school gym and then I walked into the first gym and I was like, literally the one that was closest down the street. And there was like rings and like bars. I love the smell. And I was like, oh, like yeah. little stars in my eyes. I'm like, it's like a playground. Yeah. And the coach was, I think, just, I realized now he was just screwing with me. He like just rolled me a wall ball. He's like, just do 40 wall balls. I'm like, okay, okay, no way, no way, okay. And I'm just like, he's just, I'm sure he was just messing with me. And uh, I just, he literally, I was like, I go, I'm going to come every day. This is the greatest thing ever. And he's like, you seriously shouldn't? Three yeah. days in a row is enough. <laughs> but uh, he humored me, and I had a really good experience like the first time I walked in the door, mm. which I'm so grateful for because yeah. it set the tone and almost my expectations of what a gym should be like mm. because sure. it was very similar to here. Like there wasn't drama. What's well, funny? Where, where was that? Where was that first gym? District CrossFit in DC. Okay, so you're talking about DC. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. We, because we talk about it a lot too, where you know, a we fight a stigma of, of like he said, like we're trying, trying to, oh, you're gonna get hurt. Well, it's strength conditioning. It's things that have been around since the beginning of strength and conditioning. It's just put in a different format. So nothing's new, but you could have had a bad experience in DC. Mm-hmm. Move to Cincinnati and spread the word of how bad CrossFit is. Mm-hmm. You know, but does that yeah. make sense though? Like, so like a bad gym in DC can affect. Yeah. Our gym in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. That's you know, true. it's 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 something that like being a good gym is good for everyone. It's an abundance it, mentality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know what I'm finding? Like and I, I guess I this is where you guys can speak to this even more so than me. I think that over time it's like all of a sudden someone would just get a level one certification, grab a couple barbells and just like open one up and you're just yeah. like, Oh god, no. Luckily no, we don't it's see that, like that as much anymore. It's definitely peaked and yeah. that's on the down a little bit now and, and you're gonna ultimately see um, it, it is a business mm-hmm. and it's 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 a tough one, you know, because there's a lot of competition. You're charging a premium, so you have to provide a premium service and those people that aren't um, doing their due diligence with the constant education, you know, continue education doing trainer meetings, staff meetings, procedures, policies, clean gym. It's it's more than just, like you said, opening the door and th- rolling out some med balls and having a barbell and a roller. It used to be. It used to be, 100%. It used to be. But, well, you know, and I think that that's also where people got hurt because uh-huh. they were having coaches oh, yeah. to re- like let him work out to re- Roboto uh-huh. or whatever that word is. Tabata. No, no. Oh. What's the word where they get like rub, rub, bottom? Oh, rhabdomyces. Whatever. Rhabdomyces. Yeah, <laughs> rhabdo. For short. Rabata. That's a new workout. But, <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, but like, but they're, they'll talk, like, experiences like maybe that, someone is sharing. I'm and like, that that was, got, that's not the way it is. Like, mm-hmm. And that kind of got blown out of proportion because a lot of, you know, maybe going back to some of the root of um, what you were talking about earlier, which is um, deceiving um, other people. People were threatened by this business of CrossFit. 
that were established within the strength conditioning, you know, they kind of they kind of look they, down, they just lost they, their they, lawsuit. They look down their noses Wait, at us because we don't have exercise physiology. Not every trainer has an exercise physiology degree or a master's in kinesiology, and they don't they don't think just because we have that paper. It's like, hey, we can still. Obviously, we live in the, the internet age. We can watch the videos. We can read the books. We can have the practical application because we're training hundreds, probably thousands of people a week. Mm -hmm. So, and, and if you ask any good trainer out there, it's, you know, yeah, I can recite. You know, you can have a person that can recite all the bones and muscles and uh, demonstrate all the proper biomechanics uh, <laughs> through the body. Or you can have a person with uh, 100,000 hours of practical application. Like oh, yeah. who who do you want in that scenario? Yeah. And it's not I'm not saying like yeah we know everything here we're consummate students and I feel like the best trainers well, have to be because that's one of the things that really attracted me to this industry and made me passionate about it because it's always evolving. You know we're watching the CrossFit Games right now. One of the things I love about CrossFit is they're constantly pushing the barriers to what is possible. They just announced a marathon row. These people are going to literally sit on a rower for three to four hours, and they didn't know that until two days ago. Mm -hmm. Who else is going to do that? Yeah. I mean, you're going to, it's and a what's very funny small is like percentage. Each time they've said that, oh, that was impossible, and that was the thing that nobody could do, like the pegboard, everyone yeah. makes a fuss about that. Literally, like people were doing it within six and then, months. Exactly. And, and, and it's more like, of a oh, shot wait. to their character. This is really cool. I could do this. Well, um, and then just to piggyback off, off of what Mark said, um, you know, uh, I would, I would, be willing to argue that not having that piece of paper that says, you know, we're certified, you know, in, in anatomy and physiology, that actually put, that has been pushing the boundaries mm -hmm. as far as information has been distributed. And, and the internet has been a huge help yeah. to that. But I mean, you just think about the way things used to be is, okay, well, this is a new technique. All right, well, now it's published and now it's distributed in magazines and journal articles and all this stuff. Well, now it's like, hey, I just found out this new thing. Here's a video of it, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like worldwide. Right. So yeah. the, the, the internet age has been a huge help to what we do, but the problem with that is, is those established kind of mm -hmm. um, organizations, they want to fight NFPT. against it because it's not the way NFPT. things were done. Well, you know? and, and you always struggle with that, but I, it's, it's similar. I mean, like there, it's like being a lawyer and being able to uh, recite every sure statute. Yeah. And only locking yourself in with a book, but having no clue how to talk to a client. Mm. Like, no clue. I mean, yeah. I graduated with people who'd never even, like, spoken to somebody else for the sake of representing them in any way, shape, mm -hmm. or form. Mm -hmm. Or even worked for somebody. And I'm like, all of this means nothing if you can't translate it into something that's useful to the mm -hmm. person you're trying to help. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you are a CrossFit coach or a lawyer. If you can't translate what's up here mm -hmm. into something that's useful to the person who's standing in front of you needing your help, then you you've completely you know, lost the point. Just think the about last, anyone uh, who's book smart, right? You know, and they Not have they have zero they have zero ability to talk to another person, communicate well. Yeah. You know, like that's that is that and that's something that we found out as as business owners is when when you're looking to hire someone or bring someone on the team, it's we're what we start with is are they a good person? Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, you because can teach somebody how to. Teach an air squat. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But you can't teach someone good values. You and know? how to communicate and yeah. listen mm -hmm. to somebody and the, and the best, ac the best uh, <laughs> acronym I've heard is that the KISS, keep it stupid simple. 
and it's keep just it simple stupid or simple stupid. <laughs> keep it stupid simple. <laughs> right? I like still works though, right? Yeah. Stupid, stupid simple. Yeah. Is that keep right? it like crazy stupid simple. Yeah. 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 There you go. Still I don't works. use that one very often. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, they use that at, 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 at you know the CrossFit, and that's one of the things they talk about. They're like, this isn't your um, rectus uh, abdominis. Yeah. It's yes. your it's your tummy. It's your it's your it's your gut or whatever. It's your stomach. Yeah. Yes. You know, this isn't your you know your quads. These are your legs. Because you're gonna see someone like me glaze well, over. Exactly. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. all right. People uh, come here to not have to think. Contract. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's why I love coming here. I was gonna somehow figure out a way to, sit, to like tuck that in because like I think you, that that you is you like have the everything. Best uh, like you are a perfect example. You come in and. I can visually say there's certain people that come in and you just visually see them unpacking the shit off their shoulders from the day. Mm. Like it's, it's like, it's, like, they don't physically, they bags, but they're yeah. just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. they walk in the door like this and by the time they leave, they're like, you know, and you're That's... definitely one of those people. Mm-hmm. So like, but if, if Mark is coaching class and he's throwing out all these terminology and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. You're like, Oh, just snatch it. And you're like, Oh, externally yeah. rotate yeah. your shoulder. Yeah. yeah. No. It's like perfect example. External, I like internal. The, I like the push the butt out like you're gonna shut your car door one. Like yes, that was one of my I, favorite. I, I stole like, that from speaking my language. I stole that from Mike McKenna, which he's not listening, but I stole that from Mike mm-hmm. McKenna. But those are the kind of things that I think that when you have a coach that knows how to again how to communicate again, someone like me, I have thought all day, all day, and you know what? I'm gonna walk out the door. I'm gonna think about Cody's dinner and my house and my work and. To come in and just be like, just tell me what to do. Yeah, just guide, and I trust you. Me. I trust you. And that's like the best part. I don't, yeah. I'm not second guessing anything you're saying. Yeah. Which guide guide me through this. this. Yeah. <laughs> guide me through this experience. And building that trust takes time. And like, mm-hmm. you're, like you're saying with your clients, I'm sure that's something that you've experienced with, with your profession is like, oh, yeah. they have to trust you. Like you, you have to sometimes when throw that. to listen to you, it's a very frustrating You thing. sometimes have to throw that like, you know, scientific card out there, or whatever you want to say, with with anatomy and physiology and stuff like that. For sure, it has a time and a place, mm-hmm. just like statues and, and laws, so on and so forth. But that the most, there's even like I think a new commercial out where they're like, uh, I think demonstrating different um, careers, and, and one of them is, you know, they're walking through a house and they're given all this fancy terminology, and there's literally a translator there. Like, a lot of people want this house. You need to put an offer in soon. <laughs> it's like it's just again keeping it stupid simple, right. you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I want to go back. We were, you were talking about rugby, and then mm-hmm. obviously getting into um, CrossFit, and then how's that journey kind of evolved and, and made you the person you are today? Well, um, so the transition from rugby back to CrossFit is like going and being an individual sport again. But you're not with CrossFit, which mm-hmm. is why I love it. Like. I, I, I could technically probably follow the programming and maybe try to pull it off in the gym, but for mm-hmm. me, 99% of the enjoyment that I get is, again, coming in here and having coaches just tell me what to do so I don't have to think, and mm-hmm. I could just be list, just have it fed, and I can just follow the follow your lead, but also to have it be doing it with people who are next to me. And, mm-hmm. and it's not a competition thing, because people are like, oh, you're just so competitive. I'm like, that's not the right word. I don't know what the right word is, but the idea is that when someone's sweating next to me and getting into it, it feels like a team environment, the mm. team environment that I loved. And it's like when there's people who are cheering you on, and again, it reminds me of a team sport doing an individual thing in a team environment, if mm-hmm. that makes yeah, sense. Because so, it's not competitive. So when I'm trying to keep up with someone or push somebody, it's not because I'm trying to demolish them into the ground. Right. But it makes me a better it makes the workout better for me. I push harder. Mm-hmm. I, I try harder. Whatever the words are. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I love it. Um, I'm gonna wrap things up only because I know you got a point. You got a phone call. To get <laughs> to back here. to work. Yeah, so she's got to get back thing. to work here. Uh, we could probably talk for another hour or two. A lot of these we could like. Yeah, let's do part two and another three hours. We have to do part two with Jason and me together. I know. That'd be great. I know. Um, yeah, definitely. I would love love to have you guys both on here and have that dynamic of. I won't be um, happy that day. His, uh, <laughs> your, yeah, your, uh, your, the yin to your yang, so to speak. So, um, but we, I do want to ask just a quick question and uh, just really simple and and hear your opinion on it. And that is, what is your definition of success? Hmm. Definition of success is that I'm spending as much of my day as possible doing the things that mean the most to me. Mm. And mean the most to me is changing over time. Right now, mean the most to me is being great and present for Cody. And so, but doing that, spending the most parts of my day doing the things that mean the most to me. Yeah, it's good stuff. Fantastic, As a, very valuable. Well, uh, we really appreciate you yeah, taking thanks, time thanks out of your day time. and coming on here. It's been awesome. Uh, and thank you all for listening to Triumph Every Day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, and everywhere your favorite podcasts are found. You can find us at triumphstrength.net, on Instagram at triumphstrength, and Facebook at facebook.com slash triumphstrength. Uh, see you guys next week. Thank thanks. you.